Welcome to the Gas Street Podcast. Our vision as a church is to be light for the city. We really hope you enjoy this message. Well, hello. Hello, hello, Tempo. Hello, Mike. Hey, guys. Good to see you. Hello, hello. Um, so nice to see some faces that I haven't seen for a little while. Uh, if you haven't been back in church for a while, it is so good to see you here this morning. Um, and we're going to jump into the Word of God together. I feel, yes, I feel like God has got a word for us uh, this morning. So um, the first thing I need to tell you, though, is uh, I am not a winter person. Like, I am not a winter person. I hate the winter. I, I actually hate January, particularly. Anyone born in January? Anyone born in January? I am so sorry that you were born in January. No, you brightened January up. Well done, you guys. Well done, you guys. I don't actually like February very much either. I have to confess. I just, sorry, born in Feb? You were born, yeah. My son was born in February, so that does definitely make February a little bit better. But I just, I hate being cold. And so I hate, did anyone see that Instagram post um, that went round? And it said, you know how people do things in different months, like dry January or whatever. Uh, and the Instagram post said this, this month I'm doing something called January. It's where I get through January. I was like, that's me. That post is for me. I hate being cold. I hate the cold. Why am I telling you how much I loathe January and the winter? Because I want to talk today about seasons. I want to talk about seasons. And there is a point at the end of January, right about now, when I start to think like the winter will never end, you know? We're never going to feel the, the warm summer days again. Actually, if we live in England, that's unlikely to happen anyway. But you know, that those warm days that we get in the spring and the summer, they just feel like they're never going to come. They're never going to arrive. And I was reminded that life can sometimes feel a bit like that, depending on the season that we're in. I don't know what season of life you are in right now. I wonder what marks or has defined the season of life that you are journeying in right now. Maybe for you, actually, it's a season of real fulfillment. Actually, maybe you love where you are right now. Maybe God is doing some amazing stuff in, in your life and you're like, life is good. Maybe your season is a season of adventure. You know, maybe God is opening up some really exciting doors for you and, and maybe he's like pushing you out of your comfort zone and it feels like you're in a season of adventure. Maybe for others, actually this season is a challenging season. There, there's some adversity that you're having to face uh, and journey through. Maybe for others, uh, this season is actually defined by waiting maybe by confusion, maybe, maybe you're experiencing like a, a lack of direction or a sense of purpose in this season. Maybe for others here, this is a hard season. This is a season of pain, a season where you, you've got loads of doubts, a season where there are unanswered questions. Maybe there are some here in this room or some watching online, and this season feels like you are just hanging on for dear life. That's what the season feels like for you. And I'm acutely aware that for all of us, all of us have navigated through this two-year season. 
You know, we've, we've all navigated through it. And, and I don't know about you, but I am so ready for this COVID season to be over and done with. But we have to face the reality. There was a big amen from over there. We have to face the reality that we are still reeling from it, right? We're still feeling the effects of it. And as I look over at my life, my relatively long life, I know you'll be surprised, um, I can see that, that my life has been kind of divided up into seasons. There have been distinct seasons in my life that have been separated by different things like geography, like different places that I've lived or, or significant events that have taken place that have, have sort of springboarded me into a new season or, or a life stage, a, a season that's defined, defined by the particular stage of life that I'm in at that, that point. Some seasons have felt short, some have felt like they would last forever. And actually, the season that I'm in right now, if I'm honest, I would, I would describe the season that I'm in right now as like a season of stretch. You know, I feel personally, for me, the reality of my day-to-day -day life is that I have a lot of plates spinning in the air. And some days I'm like, can I keep all those plates spinning? You know, sometimes... Honestly, this season can feel pretty overwhelming. There have been times in this last season where I just feel totally and utterly exhausted. And again, if I'm honest, that there have been moments throughout this last season for me where I've, I've actually just felt really spiritually dry, like hungry for the Lord, but Actually, for me, not being in church for periods of time, whether that's through having a little baby or, or through lockdowns, I found that really hard, or, or, or being in a home where, where we are, are, are permanently surrounded by children of all different ages. You know, it's a, it's a busy home, or just the day-to-day -day responsibilities of, of leadership. I also have a really demanding husband, you know, it, it takes time, and actually, what I found is that I found it quite hard to, to carve out time and space just to be with God, just, just to be in his word, to, to be in his presence. And I realize as I look at my life and I look at those plates that are spinning, every plate requires me. It's like, it, it, it's, it's a requir critical requirement that I spend time with God. You know, your season may not look like mine. In fact, it, it won't. Your season won't necessarily look like mine, but the temptation when we go through seasons that are marked by stretch or, or maybe marked by struggle or, or marked by sacrifice, and spoiler alert, but the, gar the guarantee of the Bible is that you will go through seasons of stretch and sacrifice and struggle. The temptation is that we lose perspective or maybe our perspective gets stuck. And I wonder if today God wants to speak a fresh word of hope and encouragement into the season that you are in right now. I love uh, the story of Joseph in the Bible. We find the story of Joseph in the book of Genesis around Genesis 37. 
were introduced to Joseph. Now, I know many of you in this room will be familiar with the story, either through reading your Bible or through uh, the brilliant work of Andrew Lloyd Webber. Either way, you will know the story. And we meet We meet Joseph in Genesis 37. He's this teenage boy, about 17 years old, and he's part of this pretty dysfunctional family, if we really look at the facts. You know, his his mom dies giving birth to his only maternal sibling, Benjamin. His dad adores him because Joseph reminds him of the wife that he's lost, the the one that he loved. But his brothers, his half-brothers, they hate him because he reminds them that they're never going to be the favorites. They are never going to be loved by their dad, Jacob, the way that he loves Joseph. And so there's this tension. And then Joseph gets these dreams. uh, And he is young enough and foolish enough uh, to share these dreams with his brothers. And the problem is with these dreams is these dreams talk about Joseph being elevated above his brothers and a time where his brothers will bow down to him. And these dreams do not go down well with the brothers. They're already agitated, and this pushes them over the edge. And so the next time they have opportunity, when Joseph is miles away from home, far away from the immunity of his dad's protection, he's 17 years old, and his brothers betray him on like a scale that is unimaginable to most of us. They sell him as a slave, and he's taken to another land, sold into slavery. This is a season-change moment for Joseph. He's bought as a slave by this guy called Potiphar, and he's put to work, uh, and he works hard. He's put in charge. He's given promotion. But there's another catastrophic twist in the story because Potiphar's wife falsely accuses Joseph of sexual assault, and the Bible tells us that Joseph is thrown into a dungeon. That's the word that is used in the Bible, a dungeon. The season just got a lot darker for Joseph. Once again, Joseph works hard, he's put in charge, he's given promotion, but it is two years before the season changes again for Joseph. Two years in that dungeon, two years in that prison, and then seemingly out of nowhere, opportunity arises. And Joseph is taken out of the dungeon and he is placed in the palace to stand before Pharaoh, the most powerful man on the planet at that time, because Pharaoh's been having these dreams, and he doesn't understand them, and Joseph interprets them. And what Joseph tells him is that there is a time coming that we need to prepare for, because there's going to be seven years of abundance, more grain than you can imagine. The economy is going to boom, but those seven good years are going to be followed by seven bad years. The crops will fail Food will be scarce, famine will be inevitable. And so Joseph says, well, the obvious thing is you're going to have to save in those seven good years, ready for the seven bad years. And so Pharaoh then puts Joseph in charge, and suddenly Joseph's life changes. One night sleeping in a dungeon, the next night sleeping in a palace. Joseph begins this new season. And in this new season, having endured 14 years of betrayal, hardship, unanswered questions, everything changes. Joseph gets married. He he has children, we read in Genesis. And we know after a little bit more drama in the story, Joseph is finally reunited with his dad and his brothers. And in this new season for Joseph, despair turns to hope. Loneliness turns to love. Futility turns to fruitfulness. And poverty turns to abundance. 
And you know, as I look through Joseph's life at all those season change moments, I come back to this one question, this one question that I've kept asking myself, what is it that kept Joseph going? What is it that prevented Joseph from completely giving up, like from from completely losing the plot? What was it? And, And this one word that I keep coming back to is trust, trust. He trusted God through every season, not perfectly, not completely, but he trusted God in each one of those seasons. And then I was reminded of these verses that I love, that I come back to time and time again. In Jeremiah 17, 7, it says this, but blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. I I have no idea what seasons lie ahead for me in my life. I don't know. I don't know what future seasons I'm going to have to face, but I know one thing, that I want to be like Joseph. I want to walk into every season, whatever gets thrown at me with that trust, I want to walk into the season utterly confident that God will prevail ultimately. And that like that Jeremiah, that like that tree in Jeremiah, that, that I don't fear when the heat comes, when the intensity of life is turned up. That I don't worry when the drought hits. I don't freak out when, when the circumstances of my life aren't, aren't playing out exactly as I would want them to. But I trust that I would trust day by day. I would trust season by season. And the first thing that we can trust, the first thing that we can trust in every season, God is watching over us. God is watching over us. This is about God's sovereignty. Cookie was praying that earlier. It's about his sovereignty. It's about his omnipotence. It's about his omni-something. That word that means that he's everywhere, that's the one. Thank you. Like, do we really trust it? Do we really trust that he's sovereign? Do we really trust that that God holds all of the universe in his hands? Do we trust it? Do, Do we trust, do we really trust that he is the beginning and the end? Do we really trust he is the alpha and the omega? Do we really trust... The the, the victory that Jesus won over death has set in motion this irreversible plan that will rescue the whole of humankind from inevitable destruction. Do we trust it? Do we really trust that one day he's coming back? Do we trust it? Do we trust that Jesus will return to restore and redeem the whole of creation? Do we trust it? You know, when my son, uh, Simeon, was little, he absolutely loved the movie The Lion King. Who's seen the movie The Lion King? Yes, great movie. And I don't know how many times he watched that movie when he was little, but there was always this moment at the end of the movie, uh, like literally a couple of minutes before the end, uh, where it looked like the bad guy had won. Scar is the bad guy, and and Simba's the, the hero, and it looks like Simba's about to die, and Scar is about to win, and it's literally like two minutes from the end, and every time my son would see this movie, he'd be like, no, mom, no, and I'd look at him very, you know, maternally, uh, and say, you know how this story ends, 
like, you know how it ends. And as I was looking through the story, sorry, I think I just woke a baby. As I, as I look through the life of Joseph in Genesis, you know, I've got, we, we've got the luxury, we can just flip through the pages, just flick through them like that. We know how the story ends. And there's this, the bit at the end where, where Jacob has died, Joseph's dad. And his brothers are terrified. Can you imagine for the brothers? They think this is the moment. This is payback now. Because now Jacob has gone. Joseph's going to want to repay them for, for all the awful things that they did to him. But this is what Joseph says. Genesis 50, 19. He says this. Don't be afraid. You meant evil against me. But God meant it for good. In this one line. What we realize is that Joseph had a totally different perspective. You meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Joseph had this conviction that God was watching over him the whole time, even in those dark days. Those dark days, they weren't wasted. They weren't wasted. He wasn't forgotten. He wasn't abandoned. Because God always knew how the story was going to end. You know, this word meant that we read, it's translated from this Hebrew verb that, that we now describe as to plait or, or to weave. And I heard about this place in Asia that's known for these amazing fabrics, like beautiful fabrics, colors, patterns, amazing. And the secret behind these incredible fabrics is this father and son team. And the way that it works is the father sits on this platform high up. And the sun sits on the ground, like surrounded by spools and threads. And it's like a mess, a tangled mess. And the sun has one job. All the sun has to do is, is look up to the father and wait for the father's nod of instruction. And when the father instructs, the sun just, just takes one spool and runs it one side to the other. That's all he has to, has to do, simple obedience, because the sun trusts the father's perspective. Because where the son is, it's a mess. But where the father is, is a completely different perspective. Do we trust him? Do we trust him? You know, God takes the threads of our lives. And you think about our lives, all the different threads of our lives, the good bits, the bad bits, the bits we're ashamed of, the mistakes that we've made, maybe the pain that we've experienced. And you know, it, it all gets rewoven. If we allow him, it all gets rewoven into God's plan, into God's story. I heard about this uh, wise nun. This wise nun once said to this woman that was struggling to process some of the pain that she'd experienced in life. And this wise nun said to this woman, you know, God takes the mess of our lives and he uses it as manure. Actually, the nun didn't use the word mess. She used another four-letter word, I'll be honest with you. But you know, I can imagine for Joseph, there were times when he was a slave, times when he was in prison where there must have been unanswered questions, right? There must have been moments where he just cried out to God, why God? Like, how, how long, God? 
And for each of us, we know there are seasons, there are moments in life where that's all we can do. We just cry out, how long, God? Why, God? Why, God? How long am I going to keep battling with this illness or this condition? How long, God, am I going to keep making the same mistake over and over again? How long am I going to be stuck in this really difficult relationship? How long am I going to be dealing with this job that I hate and this situation that just sucks? You know, these are big theological questions around the sovereignty of God. You know, theological questions around the context of suffering, not just in our own lives, but of course on a global scale. These are important questions. That's why Alpha is so important. It's a place to talk about these things, not just sweep them under the carpet. But, you know, ultimately, we have to trust that God has a different perspective, a perspective that is unimaginably bigger and higher than our own. We have to trust that God does hold all of time and eternity in his hands. We have to trust that God does know how the story ends, not just the story of our own lives, but the story of the whole of humankind. And time and time again, as we open the scriptures, we are pointed towards this simple instruction, trust me, trust me, because I know how the story ends. We can trust that God is watching over us. But you know, God doesn't just leave it there. He's not this far away, aloof God. No, God wanted to come close. So closer, closer than we think is even possible. And so he sent Jesus, his son, to die in our place that we could know that intimacy with him. And then he sent his Holy Spirit so that we can encounter his presence tangibly every day, every day. We can trust that God isn't just watching over us. We can trust that God is walking with us. Tim and I, um, we were on a date night a few years ago. We have been on other dates since then, just to be clear. But we were on this date night a couple of years ago, and we walked into this restaurant, and I was excited. I think Tim was too about spending quality time uh, with each other. And we sat down at the table and we ordered our food. Uh, and then Tim's phone rang. And he looked at me like, uh, should I answer it? You know, conflicted. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm with the love of my life, right? Yep. Uh, <laughs> should I answer the phone? He answered the phone, people. He answered the phone. And so he picks up the phone and he starts chatting and I'm beginning to glare at him. I'm feeling super passive aggressive at this point. And I'm glaring at him and I'm thinking, he'll get the hint and he'll end the conversation. But he doesn't. He just carries on talking on the phone and I can feel myself getting more and more frustrated. And our food arrives and he's still on the phone. And I start eating my food, he's still on the phone. And then I can hear that he's finally bringing his conversation to a close. And because I'm mature, I decide that I'm going to get my phone out (laughs) because I can't even look at him. I'm so annoyed. And so I look down at my phone and I, I start fake texting people. And so I'm just looking down at my phone and he's wrapped his conversation up and he's like, Rach, Rach, Rach. I just totally ignore him because I'm that mature. And I keep looking at my phone and then Tim texts me. (laughs) And he sends me this message 
and the message says, how's the date? And I reply saying, well, the food's good, but the company's rubbish. Actually, I use the same word as the nun. <laughs> I will be honest. I will be honest with you. And, and the thing is, you know, when you're with somebody that you love, you want them to be present. You want them to be there present in the moment. He is usually very present on dates, I have to say. And, you know, the Bible tells us, the Bible promises us, it says, God, God, God says, I will be with you always. The word of God says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Never, 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 never. He's never going to leave us or forsake us, no matter the season. And, you know, it's interesting. There are these, I think, I think the two darkest moments for Joseph, arguably, had to be the moment when he's initially sold into slavery and the moment where he is sent to the dungeon. Two darkest moments for Joseph. You know, in the whole of the story, it's only at those two moments that the Bible makes a point of telling us God was with him. God was with him. God was with him. Not just watching over him, but there with him, walking with him, and we can trust that God is walking with us. I've got a friend who is a dad to three young kids, uh, and his eldest son went through this little phase where he kept waking up in the middle of the night, like really, really scared. And he would call out for his dad, my friend, uh, and my friend would just go and sit on the end of his bed, just quietly and just wait for his son to fall back to sleep. Uh, and there was something about the presence of his dad that, that reassured him. And, you know, in, in many ways, it was a bit of an inconvenience, my friend, you know, being woken up in the middle of the night, uh, night after night, night after night. But as he sat there this one night on the end of his son's bed, knowing that his presence brought the reassurance and the safety that his son needed in that moment of fear, he thought to himself, you know what, this is the best part of my day. And in that moment, he, he felt God speak to him. And say, you know, when you're scared, when you're afraid, when you feel like you're stuck in the dark, alone, when you call out to me, when you ask for my presence, it is the best part of my day. We can trust that God is walking with us. And there will be seasons there will be seasons when knowing that God is walking with us is the only thing that we are hanging on to. Because honestly, if you make a commitment to follow Jesus, yes, your life is going to be filled with more love, more joy, uh, more peace, more, more purpose than you can even begin to wrap your head around. But let me tell you, you will not be a stranger to stretch and to struggle and to sacrifice. It's the deal. It's the deal when we follow Jesus. And, and I believe that God will never deliberately if inflict pain or suffering on his children. But you can guarantee that he's going to use those times to increase our dependence on him. He's going to use those times to make you desperate for him, longing for him. When, when spending time with God, opening up the Bible, uh, uh, just enjoying his presence, that they don't become a duty any longer. They become a necessity. Like, God, uh, you're all I've got. God, I cannot do this without you. I cannot face this season without you. You know, we can also trust that God is at work in us. He's at work in us. 
And this is absolutely key, especially if we're in a season of struggle and stretch and sacrifice. You know, it's like that tree in Jeremiah 17, that person that puts their trust in, the God, in God, whose roots run down to the stream. You know, they don't fear or worry in drought. But what the word tells us is that they never fail to bear fruit. Never fail to bear fruit. There was a, a seven-year season for me when I was almost exclusively at home with our older four kids. Uh, and, you know, there, there were some incredible moments, as you can imagine, within those seven years. But something that I struggled with day to day was it, it didn't really feel like there was much fruit, like apart from the squashed fruit that would be all over the floor most of the time. And, you know, I knew on the one hand that, that raising kids was like the most, one of the most important things that I would ever do with my life. But the everyday, you know, the everyday routine of raising little kids, it, it kind of felt pretty mundane. And actually, Tim at the time was traveling, leading worship all over the world, and he would come back like, like buzzing from, from being away and, and seeing God move and, and, and salvation and, and healing. And to my shame, often I would just feel quite resentful and uh, like I was missing out somehow. And I, I look back at that season, those seven years, and and, you know, I can see now that God was at work, not just in the lives of my children as I invested in them, as I nurtured them, but he was at work at me, in me. You know, I thought I was on this, I was in this on hold season. That's what I thought. I'm on hold right now. But I don't believe God does on hold seasons because like that tree in the book of Jeremiah, there is always fruit. That's what we're told. There's always fruit. But I was, I was looking for the fruit of achievement. You know, I was looking for the fruit of significance and accomplishment, but God was cultivating in me the fruit of character. And there was a lot of work to do, I can tell you. You know, some of the best fruit that God is wanting to cultivate in your lives, it, it is cultivated in the soil of the mundane. It is cultivated in the soil of the hidden place, in the soil of the stretch, in the soil of the sacrifice, in the soil of the struggle. And so when Joseph's wife gives birth to their second son, Joseph has a name for him picked out already. Joseph names their second son Ephraim, which means God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. Isn't that amazing? God has prospered me, it says in another translation. God has prospered me in the land of my sorrow. For 14 years almost, Joseph's life didn't look very fruitful, stuck in prison, working as a slave. But you can be absolutely sure that God was at work. God was at work in him, shaping him, teaching him, humbling him, teaching him how to grow in patience, perseverance, faithfulness, endurance. He was cultivating within him fruit that was going to set him up for a season that was beyond the horizon, a season that he couldn't see yet, a future that was beyond anything that he could even imagine or ask for. And you know, there's this little moment that I love in the story of Joseph, and we find it in Genesis 41. And it's during those seven years of plenty, and there's like so much grain. 
And because Joseph is in charge, his job is to like oversee the gathering in of the grain. And his job is to keep record of all the bags that are going to be stored in the storehouses ready for the the seven years of famine. And I can picture Joseph there. I can picture him there like with a a clipboard in his hand. You know, he he wants to do a good job. He's trying to be diligent. He's, He's like desperate to keep track to keep record of, of every single bag that is going into the storehand because this is a man who knows what hunger feels like. This is a man who knows what emptiness feels like. This is a man who knows what nothingness feels like. And I can picture him not wanting to waste a single grain. And you know, verse 49 tells us that eventually Joseph, he just has to give up. He just has to give up. He just has to stand back. He stands back and he stops counting because there is so much grain. There is so much abundance. It says, Joseph stored up huge quantities of grain, like stand on the sea. It was so much that he stopped keeping records because it was beyond measure. Can you imagine that moment for Joseph? Can you imagine? As he stands back and he he reflects on the seasons that have come before and he realizes that God was in it all. He was in it all, watching over him, walking with him, working in him, maneuvering, weaving this story, writing this story over his life that was beyond anything that he could imagine. A story that would be told for generation after generation after generation. A story that would point people towards this sovereign God, this abundant God, this good God, this faithful God, a God that can always be trusted. I don't know what your season looks like right now. I don't know what defines your season. And we're going to pray. And just, I'm going to invite the band to come up now. I want us to pray for one another, just as the band come up. And I want to end with this. You know, in many ways, I look back at this last season, right, that all of us have been through, this last two years. And in so many ways, so much has changed. Our world has changed. You know, headlines unprecedented times. How many times have we read that? But I sense that God wants to remind us that nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. Nothing has changed. Because in Revelation 4, we're told that there is a throne. There's a throne There's a throne, and this throne is for the one that holds all authority. This throne is for the one that holds all power in his hands. And in this throne, on this throne, this throne is for the one who spoke one word and the whole of creation sprung into being. This throne is for a king that reigns forever and ever and ever. And seated on this throne is Jesus, is Jesus. And Revelation 4 tells us that surrounding the 
the throne of these 24 elders, these four living creatures, and every second of every day, uh, they worship him. They worship Jesus. It says this, after this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven, and the voice I had first heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, come up here, and I will show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven with someone sitting on it. And the next few verses go on to describe the 24 elders and the living creatures. And it says, day and night, they never stopped saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory, honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne and him who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders, they fall down before him who sits on the throne and they worship him who lives forever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, you are worthy, our Lord and our God, to receive glory and honor and power for you created all things and by your will they were created and have their being. You know, the primary command in the book of Revelation is look. We're told that over and over again. Look, 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 put on, put on your heavenly glasses and look. Receive a new perspective. Receive a new perspective and you will see someone who occupies the throne over everything and his name is Jesus. And you know, the most effective thing that we can do when we're walking through a season that's marked by struggle or stretch or sacrifice is to worship him, is to worship him. I want to invite you to stand. We're just going to stand for a moment. I know God wants to speak to us. I know God wants to minister to us. I know he does. I know he does. I felt, I felt this for the last few days. He is wanting to minister so deeply in our hearts, to embed that seed of trust so deeply in our hearts that it will sustain us, not just for this season, but for seasons to come and the one after and the one after that until we see him face to face. We're just going to wait for a moment. You might want to put your hands out, close your eyes, whatever you need to do just to engage now with the presence of God. There's no magic to this. He knows you better than anyone else has ever known you, better than anyone else will ever know you. He knows you. He loves you. Come now, Holy Spirit. And I, I sense that there are some specific things that we're to pray into, but for just a moment, we're going to wait. Some of you, it feels like you're stuck in winter. 
He's stuck in winter, you know, like in Narnia, like that perpetual winter. I don't know why. Just bring that to him. I, I sense that God is wanting to le lead you out. And it might be that he's not necessarily going to lead you out of the season, but he, he wants to lead your heart into a new place of life and warmth with him. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. For some of you, I, I, I sense God is, is wanting to increase your desperation for him. And actually, you've been battling the last few months. Why God? Why God? And I sense God is saying, get hungry for me. Turn your cry into a desperation call for me. Reach out to me. Some of us, it's like we're desperate to be desperate for him. Come and do that, Holy Spirit. Put salt on our lips that we would quench, that we would be so thirsty for you. A thirst that can only be quenched by you. Put salt on our lips now, Holy Spirit, come. If you sense the Holy Spirit just resting on you in whatever way, could you just raise a hand so I can, if that's you, thank you. Just raise a hand. Thank you. Thank you. Amazing. You just sense God is speaking to you, resting on you. Just going to wait a bit longer. soon he's coming soon he's coming would you come holy spirit would you come would you come holy spirit come sometimes it's just a discipline to wait we just rush 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 it's a discipline to wait and trust that he's here Increase our longing for you. Increase it. Increase our longing for you. God, increase what you're doing. 
please. Maybe they need this. I just want to make sure as well that we use this time to pray for one another. So if, if you know that God is, is resting on you right now, you sense his presence, I'm going to invite you to come out for a moment because we haven't done this for a while with masks and everything, but I just think it'd be really powerful for us to lay hands on one another and pray. Now, you might want to opt out of that for COVID reasons. That's totally fine. But I I want to create an opportunity for us to do that because it is powerful when as brothers and sisters we pray for one another. And so if you sense that, you can start coming out now. I'm going to invite a few more groups to come forward. If you know that, that, that you want God to increase that desperation, that hunger, it's like you, for whatever reason you've grown tired, you've grown weary, you've grown cold, and there's no judgment here. I want you to come out. We're going to pray for you. If you know that you're in a season where you need breakthrough, you're in a season and you need God's breakthrough in the season, we want to pray for breakthrough. If you're in a season and actually what you're sensing, maybe even if you've, as you listened to this, this message, actually God's been saying, I want to give you perseverance. I want to strengthen you. I want to strengthen you to face the season. We want to pray for you. Why don't you just begin to come out? I sense others begin, just begin to come out. Don't miss this chance. I sense for others, you've been facing real spiritual opposition in this season. It feels like the enemy has just been like pounding you know, just one thing after the other. And, and maybe it's because you're stepping into something that the enemy doesn't like very much. And, and maybe you've been battling on your own. And actually, we need to pray for you. We need to pray God's protection over you. We need to do some spiritual warfare on your behalf. So if that's you, why don't you come out? And the rest of us, look around. Have I broken the rules? I feel like it's coming. Okay. Um, why don't we just begin to pray? If you've been at this church for a while, if you're used to praying for people like this, some of our leaders are around as well, they're going to keep an eye on everything, but why don't we just begin to pray? Just come out. Like, let's be church again. Let's be family again. Let's just begin to lay hands. I can see people are encountering the presence of God, and we want to bless what he is doing. So let's just come and pray. Move around. Let's pray that God would meet with them in the season, in the season. Yeah, and just there's a whole bunch of maybe could everyone just take a step forward uh, who's at the front and spread out. Uh, there's a couple of other groups. I'd love us to pray if there are any of our Iranian, Afghan community, you're waiting for your visas to remain. I know we've been praying for a bunch of you. Uh, if you're comfortable, why don't you just come out here? If you're waiting for that stamp of approval, uh, you know so that you can remain here. We, we want to pray for you. And, and if, if a few people, if you've got a particular vision for that, maybe you work in uh, home office or, you know, the legalities of that kind of work. Why don't you gather around? Let's pray for breakthroughs. The, the, other, the other thing is maybe um, just before you've got to go and pick up kids, maybe uh, mums or dads, perhaps the one who are primary carers, 
and you're in that season, Rach said, there's so much joy in it, but it is also, you know, there's a mundaneness to it, a challenge to it, an exhaustion to it. And maybe we just a great opportunity to pray for you. Then the final thing is this, and I'd love you to come out to the middle here, is if you're battling with a chronic illness, uh, some kind of illness, whether it's mental or physical, that it just feels like you're in a dungeon. <laughs> we want to pray for you. So if you, you are in, there's a, you have a physical condition or something that just feels like it's this a chronic condition. We want to pray for you, that you'd know God's with you. And we also want to pray that God would heal you. So if, if that's you, come up to the front here and uh, we're going to pray. So we're going to need lots of people to come and pray. Um, for those who pray for healing, come out here. Um, anyone, if you're a gastric group leader, if you are on a Hello Welcome team, if you are... Basically, if you're part of this community and you know how to pray sensitively, please, please, please come. This is a moment for us as the families to stand with one another. There are loads of people standing on their own, which we just, it's a tragedy in a moment like this. You might want to ask people to move around. Yeah, and if, if, if there's not enough, just move around. Any of the team, um, maybe some of the worship team as well, just, just begin to move around. This whole bunch of our brothers here love us to pray for them. Um, just keep coming. Some ladies here would love us to pray for them. Yeah, Lord, we pray. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit breakthrough into people's lives. Lord, I pray that they would be so aware of your presence with them. Lord, I pray that they'd be so aware that God watches over me. God is with me. If you're online, maybe put a hand up. And, and those online watching on YouTube or wherever you watch can, can be praying for you. Come, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. Pour your spirit. Kura Gwenshe here, uh, just had a, a sense of a word. Um, why don't you just share that? Uh, the Lord is saying that it is time for you to move with my spirit. Uh, the first verse I got is from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9, which says, What no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived, the things God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things of God. These are the things God has revealed to us by His Spirit. And the second verse is from Zechariah. It says, not by might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. So God is saying, listen for my direction. What you're going through is pressure that you've not experienced before. You will not achieve it by the ways of men. You will not achieve it by the mind of men. But it's time to listen to my Spirit and get your direction from my Spirit. And that's how we are going to break through. So good. So good. So good, that. We're going to need the spirit. What some of us are facing is it's beyond, it's beyond what we can deal with, humanly speaking. We need the spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to guide and to lead and to strengthen us. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out. If you want to find out more, visit our website, gastric.org, or follow us on Instagram at gastricchurch.org.